All right, Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14, this is a famous story where children of Israel are leaving Egypt and Pharaoh's had a great conversion and let them go and all of a sudden he changes his mind. Just because somebody says they're going to do something does not mean they're going to do it. <laughs> How many have noticed that over the years? <laughs> so Pharaoh says he's going to let children of Israel go and he starts to and then doesn't and he comes back and they're in trouble. Uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now, I'd like to sit here and tell you you're going to have one of those cushy, easy lives because you're living here in the United States of America, and we're free and rich and everything. But I've got to be honest with you. There are going to be two or three times in your life, maybe a few more, but at least at least two or three, where you're going to be right here. Hey, this is going to happen to you. Amen. Verse 11, And they said unto Moses, <laughs> I can't help but laugh as I read it, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? I can picture myself saying similar things in some of my sarcastic bad moods. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show, you, show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, ye shall hold your peace. Now, I don't have time to run the references over to Job 37 and 1 Samuel 9 and 2 Chronicles 20, but this isn't the only time God's people are in a mess. And the Lord says, relax. You're not even going to have to fight. I got this one. Amen. Amen. Now, right. there are going to be plenty of times in your life when you're going to have to, you know, stand up with some manly resolve and not let something happen. It's going to take some effort on your part. There are also going to be some times where you don't have to do a thing. God just handles the whole thing. And you don't have to do that. You don't even have to make a move. There's going to be plenty of both. And you know, next time some nervous, faithless preacher gets up telling you, it's all on you, it's all on you, you better worry, you're just not doing enough, do more, and you need to do what you are doing, you need to do it faster, and gets all you know stirred up and nervous, like I get sometimes. <laughs> uh, the Lord isn't always that way. Now, once in a while, now, he'll work you, okay? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's not true sometimes. There are also times he just says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And he'll, he'll mingle toil with peace and rest, as the song says. Verse 15 of Exodus 14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So I want to preach tonight, fear not, stand still. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you help us to preach, and help us to teach, and help us to incorporate these things, our own selves, into, into our lives better. And Lord, I'm talking to some people who have been saved a long time, and 
And they know these things, heard some of these things before, but uh, sometimes it's been a while, we forget and we jump back into nerves and scared and fear and lack of trust. And, and I pray you forgive us where we do that. And I pray we'd be better soldiers for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to say tonight that God's power allows His people to live free of anxiety. And when you're always nervous and messed up, that's when you make more mistakes and it takes longer and you have to go redo things. Many a time in my life I got mad and aggravated and nervous and uh, forgot about half of what I was supposed to be doing. Had to go back and do it all over again. Just not much use to it. Even old Confucius said, Attention to minor and immediate interests prevents one from accomplishing great things. Many times you don't get busy on big things because you're too busy, worried, and scared to death. You might forget one little detail here and there. And you, you miss the big picture. Now, it hadn't been too many years ago, maybe a decade and a half, two decades ago, that archaeologists claimed to have discovered the remains of Pharaoh's chariots in a part of the Red Sea. Now, whether or not they are the actual physical artifacts that they're reported to be. I do believe this. I believe the account in Exodus happened just like God says it did. Amen. And I believe they went right through the sea. I don't believe it was in a marshy place or any of the stuff Amen. that the unbelieving maps in the back of most Bibles showed you. I That's think they true. went right through the sea. That's right. And uh, it, it definitely happened just like the Bible records it. But I'm sure the Israelites are feeling great anxiety. I mean, you can tell by their smart aleck, sarcastic uh, remarks to Moses that they're scared to death. And apparently Moses is scared. Because the Lord, I thought Moses was doing good until I read what the Lord says to him in verse 15. He said, Wherefore Christ thou unto me? <laughs> so apparently they was fussing at Moses, and Moses was fussing at the Lord. The Lord said, I, I'm, I'm handling this. Now, uh, worry and anxiety is a sin. And it's a sin because we're commanded not to worry. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And you say, well, how would that work? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it's, that's why it's called the peace that passeth understanding. You're not going to understand it. Uh, another reason it's a sin is because worrying is doubting God. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. If you doubt that, you're doubting God and his promises. So it is a sin. Now, I'm not going to beat you up too bad for it because it's one I have a big problem with. Even when I was a kid and I'd be hanging around crowds I shouldn't and doing things I shouldn't, they'd always say, don't tell Schofield. We don't want him coming. He'll be scared his mom and daddy will catch us. I just, I just always worry no matter which direction I'm going. Uh, another thing is it hinders growth and progress in important things. Whatever it is you're trying to do, whenever you're worried and biting your fingernails and popping your knuckles and wringing your hands, you, you're not going to make the progress you need to make if you just trust and obey. Now, this sermon does not oppose planning ahead, but it does oppose worrying ahead. Don't think that because I said this, this means go lay on the couch and don't have any plan ahead. No, go to the end house, sluggard. Stay busy, stay productive, stay diligent. Luke 14, Jesus said, Which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? 
Proverbs 27, 12 says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So uh, you should plan ahead. If you have the ability of getting insurance, it's a good sense, uh, it's a good idea to have some insurance. If you can uh, do things, uh, have a rainy day fund and have a good lawyer and have a good doctor and things like that, it's good to have those things in place. You might need them. I'm not preaching against those things. But I am saying, don't be worried sick about everything. Don't be full of anxiety. Now, I will borrow off of one of my favorite teachers. I was in school a long time. Lord knows I was. And one of my favorite teachers was uh, Dr. Walter Fremont there at Bob Jones University. And he was in psychology and family stuff. And he was real good stuff. And I couldn't help but notice when I got to PBI and was studying some of that stuff under Dr. Ruckman, I recognized some of the language. So they either... One copied the other, or they had some of the same source material or something, because it, it was clearly word for word, some of the same outlines. So uh, I'm borrowing from what I originally got from Dr. Walter Fremont. I assume he was the original one with it. Uh, and so I want to say this about anxiety tonight. Number one, remember who provides your necessities. Now, good, hardworking men that I do appreciate... <coughs> are bad to get thinking that they're a self-made man and they've pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and they do work hard and I appreciate that. And some of them work smarter, not harder, and that's a good idea too. And uh, they should be bragging on and they should be appreciated and I hope their families do appreciate it. But even if you're providing for yourself because you're such a self-made man, don't forget God's the one that gave you the ability to do that. Amen. And it's, it came from God, even if you're, you know, working pretty hard for it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not knocking anybody's work with it. And uh, these days we have women outworking men, no doubt about it. They outnumber men in colleges. They outnumber men in certain many workplaces. It's just, it's unbelievable. And so uh, if, if a woman gets thinking that, uh, oh, she's doing it because she's a strong, independent woman. <laughs> no, it's only because God gave you the ability to do it. That's right, amen. amen. And uh, without him, without me, you can do, what did we read this morning? Nothing. Nothing. And that's man, woman, boy, or girl. One thing that'll help you with your anxieties is when you realize this is in God's hands, not yours. Right. Amen. The times I've gotten the most nervous and anxiety, full of anxiety and scared to death was when I thought I was going to be the one to have to handle it. <laughs> now, that should be a freeing thing to some of you nervous working people. You don't have to worry about it. Now, you should contribute. Don't misunderstand. Don't lay on the couch. Get up and make your contribution. But there does not need to be any worry involved in that. You just make your contribution and leave the rest to God. Do what he's told you to do. I'm not giving anybody an excuse to lay out of your responsibility. But do your responsibility and quit worrying. Yes. He's the one that is going to uh, provide it. All right, now let's look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 25. And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? Uh, I read recently where a guy had uh, got research in dating, and he had figured out that women like men that are taller than he was. And that guy happened to have some money, so he went to a doctor and had them tear up his legs 
to make the guy, I don't know, several inches taller. So this guy thought that he could add a cubit to his stature. Uh, it came with unbelievable health problems and a whole bunch of complications. Let me tell you what, just do the best you can and trust God for the rest. Amen. Do not go, I guess they're now saying you can go to a doctor and get a leg stretcher. I don't know. <laughs> it's a wonder they don't carry out there on, out of there on the stretcher. Uh, verse 26, if ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? So you're going to sit there and worry about all these things that need done, and you can't even do the least one. <laughs> hey, man, just contribute your part and trust God for the rest. Next time you find yourself with a knot in your stomach all worried, and somebody play me a recording of this, because you think, oh, I'll have to do this and this and this and this and this all got to get done. Just do your part and trust God for the rest. And by the way, the part you're doing, he's having to help you even do that. Verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven. How much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Look now at verse uh, 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. The one that you need helping you to get the things done that you're worried about getting done and getting you out of the danger that you're worried about, get you the promotion that you're seeking is God. So if that's true, then the best thing you can do to get that promotion or to get out of that danger or to get everything done is to quit working so hard on it that, frankly, you're not able to do anyway and just get closer to Him who can do it effortlessly. That is your Father. My kids, whenever they need something, do not hesitate to say, Daddy. And don't you hesitate either. Remember who provides for your necessities. Remember his creation by his word. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that Amen. things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Amen. You look and say, well, if I don't get to work, it ain't going to get done. Well, number one, maybe it doesn't even need to. Maybe you've Good talked job. yourself into that. And number two... It doesn't, if it doesn't look like it's going to get done, God has many times made things appear out of nothing. That is not even a, a challenge for him. Now, again, I'll say again from time to time throughout this, I'm not giving anybody a, a license to lay around and not do your part. But do your part and shut up worrying about it. Remember his creation. Remember his miracles, especially salvation. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8.32 If he gave up to and including Jesus Christ himself and his lifeblood, I'm pretty sure he's going to take care of your need, and if he doesn't, you don't need it. Good point. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have held back. He, or he surely would have held back Jesus Christ if he's going to hold back 50 bucks from you. Remember his control of the future. 
Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. If you're not in perfect peace, I know something about you. You're not just putting it on him and trusting him. Because you'll be in perfect peace if you do. So number one, remember who provides all your needs. Number two, confess and forsake any and all known sin. A regular part of the Christian life needs to be confession of sin. When Dad, ever since I was a little boy, would teach prayer, one of the first lessons was confess your sins. Early in your prayer, confess your sins. You have this list of sins we'd go through. Buddy, by the time you went through that list of sins, <laughs> I got to admit, man, you felt clean. It covered about everything, man. So confess and forsake any and all known sin. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. If you're worried sick and God isn't showing up to help you, a lot of times it's because there's a sin between you and him, and uh, he's not showing up. He's not hearing you. But good news, that's an easy fix. Tell him you're sorry, you repent, and do your best to turn away from it. Say, I can't quit. I've tried. Guess what? We've all had that experience. Anybody here quit sinning yet? No. <laughs> Not a one of us. I wish. Still say you're sorry and go to him. He knows you're going to do it again. You know you're going to do it again. I know you're going to do it again. But still keep as short of account with God as you can. Say you're sorry and keep kicking yourself and keep trying. Yes, amen. Paul said, I die daily. So confess and forsake any and all known sins so your prayers will be heard, so your thoughts will be established. Decide in your mind, I may keep sinning, I'm sorry, because i got this sorry flesh, but number one, I'm going to keep fighting it. And number two, I'm going to change my mind where I know that's evil and I don't like it, and I'm going to fight it because it's wrong, and I'm on the Lord's side, not the world's side. And I'm on the Lord's side, not my flesh's side. Make sure there's a real dichotomy there, a real uh, be a real schizophrenic, where there's a sinful part of you and there's also a saved part of you. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And the best you can do on the outside, live just as clean as you can, and it'll contribute to a cleaner inside. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. And the more you do outside, the less trouble you'll have inside. An idle mind is what? The devil's workshop. Don't just lay around with that idle mind. Get up and get busy. Get outside. Do things. That'll help you as much as anything. Some of those old sayings, you know, birds of a feather flock together and an idle mind is a devil's workshop and cleanliness is next to godliness and some of those things, they're not scripture. But boy, they will help you. Yes. They will absolutely help you. Uh, you should confess and forsake any and all known sin to prevent failure. People that go around covering up sins have a history of failure. One after the other, after the other, after the other. It's not good. Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. You're not, you won't have success. You won't prosper. You'll fail. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So number one, remember who provides your needs. Number two, confess and forsake any and all known sin. 
say, I can't forsake it. I know you can't. We're going to sin till the Lord takes us out of here. But that's no excuse not to keep fighting it. All right, number three. This, this is a simple one. I, I love this one. Choose not to worry. You do have some influence. Uh, I, I realize that you don't have complete and total control, but you have some pretty good influence over your mind. There are plenty of people who have decided to stop something and stopped it. That's true. People have been hooked on bad habits, cigarettes or liquor or drugs or something, and just decided they didn't need it anymore and just quit. Now, that's amazing to me. There have been people who realized they were overeating and lost 100 pounds in a year or two. I mean, just unbelievable. There have even been times in my life where I've been doing something, realized it's pretty stupid, and I stopped. And I'm not exactly great with, you know, willpower and that sort of thing. It can be done. And even where it can't be done perfectly, you can do it for the most part if you'll get serious and choose not to worry. John 14, 27 Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus Christ is telling the disciples, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now are you going to tell him that's a waste of his breath because we can't help it? He directly tells them to do exactly that. So um, I know we can uh, here's some ways you can choose not to worry. Number one, trust God rather than worry. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. When He gets worried, just say, or when you get worried, just say, Lord, I'd like to let you handle this. I, I don't know. I, not something I can control. It is out of my hands. It's a blessed thing when I accept that I have no control over the situation. Because as long as I think I can control it, oh, the nerves that maybe I didn't do something right or there's something else I should do and there's another call I should make and should I be nice or should I fuss or should I... Hey, what if it's totally out of your control and you don't have to worry about any of that? Man, that is a freeing thing. Now, do your part. Don't misunderstand me. Do your part, but then leave the rest to him. Have faith instead of doubt. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Just have faith instead of doubt. Many times our worries are, are basically us just saying, Lord, either you're not there or you don't care. This is all on me. I'm going to have to handle all this. I can't sleep. That's essentially what you're saying. Whereas if you say, Lord, this is your problem. It's in your hands. There's no need to be worrying about it because it's not something I can control anyway. That's a, that's a more blessed way to live, and it's a more obedient way to live. Think best instead of worst. Ah, oh boy. Old pessimist Bob. <laughs> I, 
I struggled with this one for years and years. But here's what it says, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, how many of us sit around and think about how evil somebody is and how wrong they're going to do us and what, <laughs> what a mess everything is? All right, now, I don't mean to be naive and not realize there's some truth to that, but don't sit and dwell on that. I realize that eagle's going to fly over your head, but don't let it make a nest in your hair. Good point. Uh, think best instead of worse. Thank God instead of complain. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus Amen. concerning you. You want to be in God's will? Give thanks. Right. Be thankful for the things you do have. Instead of worrying sick about the stuff that you don't have, get busy thanking God for the things you do have. And when you do that, oh, it changes things. That's a big part of choosing not to worry. Choose love instead of fear. The Apostle Paul was all worried about having that thorn in his flesh. And uh, he asked God, and the Lord said, My grace is sufficient. So you know what Paul did? He just accepted it and got thankful for it. He said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He just said, All right, Lord, this is the situation you got me in. This is what you're, where you're using me. Then I know this is where your power is going to come down on me from. Amen. I'll glory in it. Now, buddy, that's a real good mindset change. All right, here's an important one. Pray often. Philippians 4. What did, uh, what did Philippians 4 say? We've already quoted a couple times. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Make prayer the automatic first response. Pray without ceasing. Means don't stop praying. Pray. As you drive to work, pray. As you wash dishes, pray. As you work, pray. As you drive home, pray. As you deal with children, pray. As you fix the washing machine, pray. As you build a deck, pray. As you clean, decorate, paint, whatever you're doing, talk to the Lord. Amen. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know what that does? Reminds you He's there. Amen. Sometimes when you don't have a Bible sitting right in your lap, you're not sitting in a pew hearing a guy preach a sermon, you're not hearing somebody sing a, a great spiritual song, you just almost forget God is there. That's why you ought to be in church every time the doors are open. That's why you better have devotions every morning. That's why you better pray all throughout the day. Amen. Pray. To beg humbly and earnestly is the meaning of the word supplication. And it needs to include thanksgiving in everything. Give thanks. Then do this. Pray for God's solution. Now that one I have trouble with. Because I, I can always see what he needs to do. <laughs> oh, the arguments. Oh, that I've given him. I remember reading in Job where he said, oh, I wish I could just come up before him. I, 
I would fill my mouth with arguments. I believe me, Brother Bob has filled his mouth with arguments. <laughs> There's a problem. Pray, say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Now, maybe you, apparently, you have a different plan than this because, you know, mine, I'm sure would have worked and you chose not to do it. So, you got something else going on here. Pray for his solution. You know what that is? That's casting the care on him. Here's a good one. Think right. Think right. Let's see. Let me read Philippians and be sure I get this one worded right. Philippians 4 8. Finally, brethren, oh yeah, this is the one I, I read earlier. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So, what's the first thing? Whatsoever things are true. Alright, so first of all, know God's truth. Now there's more to it than just truth. There's more to that verse. But number one, make sure you've got truth down. What the Bible clearly and plainly says, and I know there's room for disagreement here and there and that, but there's plenty of it that the Bible 100% is clear on, and anybody that halfway believes what the Word of God says, believes, be sure you get the truth down. Acquire God's viewpoint. Be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Galatians 6.3, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. So get God's truth down when you think right. Number two, think purely. That is, eliminate the devil's viewpoint. 2 Corinthians 10.5, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Most of us know that if we drive by the bank and start hatching a plan to rob that thing, that we're sinning. Most of us know that if we drive by a drug dealer and start thinking about whether or not we should go back and buy some drugs to get some relief from all this nervous and anxiety, most of us know we're sinning. If we see somebody we're attracted to and we start thinking about a way we can go commit adultery with them, most of us know we're sinning. Amen. But when it comes to sitting and worrying about stuff, sometimes we forget we're sinning. That's very true. That's a Christian sin. It's like overeating. You know, that's a Christian sin. That's acceptable in Christian circles. Well, the problem is that still damages some things between you and the Lord sometimes. So uh, acquire God's viewpoint, then eliminate the devil's viewpoint. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. No, I'm not going to let myself sit there and think about that. Chocolate and peanut butter. Ah, Bring that closer to home. No, I'm not going to sit there and think about that lustful thought, that covetous thought, that dishonest thought. No. Get, eliminate the devil's viewpoint. And then think positively. Proverbs 4.18, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Uh, maybe you might need to stop watching the news. I know some people that the news would get them down so bad. They get so mad and frustrated with things, the way things are going, they just quit watching the news. That's that might right. be the thing to do. Uh, but think positively. If something keeps you negative, you probably need to quit thinking about that. All right, here's a good one to help uh, get rid of anxiety after think right, is obey God. Obey God, but obey Him actively. There, this is an action verb. Philippians 4, 9, those things which he had both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do 
and the God of peace shall be with you. Now here's the problem. Some people love money, and they watch YouTube videos about somebody teaching you how to make money, and they listen to podcasts about how to make money, and they buy books and read them on how to make money. And it's just a hobby of theirs, and they love it, and they go down to seminars and hear people give talks on making money. But guess what? They never make a dime on any of that until they actually go invest, like those people say, or do some of the work those people do, or get the side job. At some point, you got to do something with it. And there's a lot of Bible-believing Baptists that read books about the Bible and the Lord's will, and they listen to preaching about it, and listen to teaching about it, and go to seminars about it, and, but they never do anything. Yeah, there comes a point you've got to do something. Those things which you've both learned and received and heard and seen in me. I mean, think how blessed these people were in the first century church to learn, receive, hear, and see the Apostle Paul himself. But no peace is promised to him for any of that until that little word D-O shows up. He says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You'll get more peace out of getting busy and doing something, even getting it a little bit wrong, than you will studying how to get it just exactly right, sitting, on, sitting in an easy chair. That's very true. So obey God. Somebody says, research the problem. Maybe even write the problems. But be sure you write out the actions that will solve the problem and actually carry them out. All right, now why do you obey God? Well, number one, for the peaceful presence of God. We just read Philippians 4 9. Let me read to you from that area we were preaching this morning, John 14. John 14, verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judah saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you what you'll do. You'll keep his words. Yeah. He gives the commandment, you'll keep it. That matters to you. You know why? Because you love him. So obey God for the peaceful presence of God. Um, here's another reason. For the stability of your mind. We've already referred to uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Some of the most confused, frustrated people are people that know what's right and refuse to do it. Yes. Their whole life is one frustrating series of ups and downs. A step forward, two steps back. Do what you know is right. I believe God will give you more, and don't get me wrong, I believe in studying the scriptures. Man, do I believe in studying the scriptures. That was drilled into me ever since I was little. But I believe God will give you more light if you'll study a little scripture and actually do it than if you study a whole lot of scripture and don't do anything. Yes. For stability of mind. And you should obey God for continued guidance from the Lord. 
You know the famous verse that says, I being in the way, the Lord led me. Proverbs 1.28, Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. The Lord said, Here, I, I gave you reproof. I gave you the answers. I told you what to do. And you refused, and you refused, and you refused, and you refused. So therefore, I'm going to quit answering you. Right. Doesn't do me any good to answer you. You won't do it. So obey God. All right, I'll give you one last thing about getting rid of your anxiety. That's this. Be sober and vigilant. You better be careful. Um, your anxiety is going to pop back up all the time. You better keep an eye on it. That has to be something you keep in mind. Uh, sometimes people buy a piece of property and uh, have rats all over the place. You know what they better do? They better deal with those rats. I, I used to watch a series on TV sometimes called Infested. And it was story after story of these people that would go buy a house and it'd be infested with bats or rats or snakes or something horrible. Wow. Oh, man. I mean, there's one person, they saw a snake out in the backyard, then saw another, and then saw another. Come right out, they had this nest of ridiculous amounts, just scores and scores of snakes in their backyard. You know what you got to do? You got to call an exterminator or something. Now, some of you have, may have trouble with anxiety. You can't just sit there and just not worry about it. You are going to have to pay attention to it. You're going to have to deal with it. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So the, the idea is your anxiety is like a roaring lion coming back after you, and you're going to have to resist it and resist it and resist it. You're going to have to give it that attention. And if you just don't pay any attention to it, it's going to come back again and again and again, like that guy that had 60 snakes or whatever it was in his backyard, or the people that had the bats all in their attic, and the lumber started rotting out and up there from all that... What do they call that bat? Uh, I forget the word, but it has a, it has a prominent U in it. It's not guacamole. <laughs> oh, uh, Be sober, be vigilant. At the very least, be humble before God. Now, one of the funny things to me is somebody struggling with a sin like this, and yet they've been under some good preaching and some people build them up pretty good. Next thing you know, they get all proud. And then just about beat down day after day with something. It never ceases to amaze me how often pride can come up in a human mind and heart. Even with them obviously beat. Uh, thinking about a boxing uh, illustration. I mean, there could be one guy beating the far out of another guy. And then when they ring the bell and it's over, the other guy would raise his arms like he thinks he won. He's <laughs> barely able to stand up, man. The other guy doesn't have a bark anywhere on him. And some Christians, beat, slap up, will get prideful. So humble yourself. Number two, determine to fight. Say, now look, this anxiety is getting me. I'm not going to just let it go. I am going to fight it. I am going to resist it. I am going to stop it. 
Proverbs 22, 13. The slothful man saith, there is a lion without, I shall be slain in the street. Oh, I can't go out there and fight it. It's a lion. Well, amen, it's a lion, but it's a lion you're told to resist. Proverbs 26, 13. Again, the slothful man saith, there is a lion in the way. A lion is in the street. You can always find an excuse. When you don't yes. want to fight and you don't want to work, there is always an excuse available. Remember, you win in the end. I'm reading in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Listen to what it says. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Remember it this way. You're going to be made perfect, established, strengthened, settled. But it does say this. It says, after that you have suffered a while. All right? You're just in the suffering stage right now. All right? You're just, you're just in the jogging and getting in shape stage right now. You're just in the uh, eating right at the training table stage right now. You're suffering a little bit, but it ain't much, especially compared to the glory you're about to get. You win in the all right, what have we talked about tonight? We've talked about fighting anxiety. We saw that the two main cures are trust, or thinking right, and action, or doing right. Unfortunately, our society encourages wrong thinking and little to no action, or maybe even wrong action. But thank God he has not left us uninformed about the remedy for despair. His kingdom is one of peace and joy. He instructs his subjects real simply when he says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now that's what God's kingdom is. First, righteousness. Second, peace. Last, joy. You live righteously. He gives peace and joy. You know why you're not having peace and joy? You ain't even worried about living righteously. When righteousness comes, peace follows it. The Bible says righteousness and peace have kissed each other. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, though, then you don't know the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, and you don't have the promise of peace. Number one, make sure you trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You know, that's real simple. You realize you need it, you trust Him. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Peter prayed, Lord, save me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But if you're here tonight and you're saved, here's what you do. You fight these things. You remember who provides for your needs. You confess and forsake all known sin. I know you'll fall back into it. I, I wasn't saved yesterday, but you still fight it. Choose not to worry. Pray often. Think right. Obey God. Be sober. Be vigilant. In other words, take it seriously. Keep fighting it. Keep fighting it all the way till you go home. The Apostle Paul kept fighting all the way till he went home. And you know what he found when he got to the other side? Glory. Amen. Glory. Yes. Paul was got an unfair advantage in that he got a, he got a preview yeah, of what right. was waiting up there in heaven. <laughs> sure did. And he wasn't worried about dying. Let's just say that. Death did not worry him at all when he saw what's on the other side. Amen. And if you and I could see what was on the other side, death would be the least of our worries. That's right. But in the meantime, let's do our best to fight sin. And one of the sins of our day is anxiety. There's yes. something going wrong. 
there is. I, I, I know that fear and anxiety has always been a problem, and the Bible's full of scriptures on it because it's always been a problem, but I do think there's more than ever before, especially among the Christians. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to read and study your word and the truth.